What does the phrase, it's never too late, really mean? My name is TK, and in this series, I'm hoping to shed light on how individuals rise above, own their realities, and overcome obstacles. Have you ever asked yourself, why is it that people are not able to look past mistakes despite witnessing one's emotional pain? This season, I'll be interviewing individuals in different areas and industries to explore their sometimes controversial views and why they feel it's never too late to change, follow their dreams, and walk in purpose. All right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Back and Forth TV, where we believe it's never too late. It's your girl, TK, and I'm so happy to be back in the studio. Um, so as some of you know, some of you may not know, um, we did have to shut down due to coronavirus, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so we had to take a, you know, a three week hiatus, but we're back and I'm so excited to be back here in the studio one more time with you guys. Um, I have a very exciting topic today and I also have a very exciting guest and, um, I'm excited to share that with you guys and we'll get back to that here shortly. A couple housekeeping items, okay? Make sure that you guys are following the podcast on all social media platforms, okay? The handle is Back and Forth TV. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. And also make sure that you subscribe to the YouTube channel, okay? Make sure you subscribe and hit that notification bell so that way you know when we're going to be dropping new content, okay? Um, because we always post the video after, um, we do the podcast and things like that. So make sure that you do that. Also make sure that you sign up for Patreon. What are you doing if you're not signed up? Okay. Um, if you sign up for Patreon, you get early access to all the content you get to, um, get discounts on merchandise. There's certain events that we're going to be doing specifically for Patreon members. So don't miss out. Come and be a part of our media family by signing up for Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash BFTV. Okay. Patreon.com slash B as in boy, F as in Frank TV is where you want to go to sign up for that. You can literally subscribe to it for as low as three bucks a month. Okay. That's like nothing, y'all. Nothing. Okay. You go and spend that on a McChicken at McDonald's. Okay, so <laughs> you can certainly go to Patreon and subscribe. Again, none of that money gets pocketed at all. It just goes to, to support the podcast. You know, it's not free to produce, you know, in the studio that we use. And so all the money goes there. So make sure that you subscribe and support the show. Um, also, um, shout out to Level 4 Studio, who produces my podcast um, in this beautiful facility. If you need photography or if you are a photographer and you need space to shoot, they definitely are the place for you. And even if you want to start your own podcast, Level 4 is the place to go. So make sure you look up Level 4 Studio on social media um, to get all of your creative needs met. Okay. Now, also for Patreon members, the show shoots live on Wednesdays between 6 and 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Um, for all of you that are part of our extended family, the show will be available on all major platforms. So Google, Spotify, Anchor, whatever it is that you use, it'll be available on Friday. And the YouTube video will also be uploaded on Friday as well at some point during the day. So <clears throat> make sure you guys pay attention to that. All right. Um, so that's it for the housekeeping items. Now, today's topic is standing up in the midst of adversity and I have an amazing guest, which I'm so excited. She actually flew all the way out here, guys, from Atlanta just to be on my show today. Isn't that crazy? Um, and so I'm excited. Her name is Miss Kalia Ur- Ur- Kahila. Kahila. What? 
Everyone does it all the time. Now, I've been talking to you on the phone forever, and I've been calling you Kalia, and you never said anything. I'm so mad. Okay. okay. (laughs) So, Kahila. Yes. Kahila Irwin, y'all. I just be messing up these names. This is terrible. I do the same. Um, So, I just want to read a little bit about her before we get started. So... Kahila Irvin, who is originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, lived in Los Angeles and currently resides in Atlanta, Georgia. She obtained her Bachelor of Arts in Social Welfare and Social Justice with a minor in African Studies from California State University, Northridge. Kahila eventually went to into the field as a behavioral specialist working with the youth from ages 5 to 18 who were either on probation or part of foster care. She enjoys connecting with the youth and providing inspiration for them. Kahila is also the founder and owner of Sankofa Athletics, which is an athleisure share, athleisure wear, excuse me, apparel brand that is African inspired, consciously forward and promotes unity and also the sponsor of our show. So we're going to talk a little bit about that in a second here. Kahila's motto is purpose plus passion equals the mission. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so before we get started, I always like to jump into a few icebreakers. Okay. You know, just so people can get to know you and okay. things like that. So okay. um, first question, what is the worst idea that you've ever had? Good question. The worst <laughs> idea I've ever mm-hmm. had. Um <clears throat> I'll start. Um, yeah. So when I was a kid, um, I don't know. I was always trying to come up with ways to make money. Like that was just my thing. And so basically I created a bank for my siblings to invest okay. their money so I can go spend their money. <laughs> oh, oh my. <laughs> yeah. That was the worst idea ever. Well, at least to them it was. To me at the time it was a great idea. Mm-hmm. But yeah. <laughs> um. So I would say the worst idea childhood i used to make booby traps booby traps yeah i used to you know i'd be creative and just do things like that i decided to do it at school mm-hmm. booby trap went wrong teachers oh, no. was upset <laughs> i ended up getting suspended <laughs> <laughs> poor teacher yes. oh my goodness i can only imagine <laughs> all right so next question we got one more okay okay what is the most spontaneous thing you have ever done? Most spontaneous thing I've ever done. Um, a lot. Let's see. <laughs> I would say when I went to Jamaica, I went to Jamaica mm-hmm. with my former partner, Bree. And um, of course, we were just meeting the locals. Mm-hmm. And he was like, do you want to go to the ganja farm? And I was like, me, what is that? The ganja farm where they grow marijuana. Oh, okay. And so Girl, me know, being not, me, I don't be knowing. <laughs> me okay. being me, and the adventurous person I am, I said, yeah, let's go. We, of course, not knowing we're in a foreign area, like you know what I mean. My partner at the time was like, "Are you sure you want to do this? Because we don't know, you know." And we went. And we were going through the mountains and this, I mean, we were just, it was just far away from the resort. Um, luckily, it was an amazing experience. Really? Amazing. Wow. Like, to be able to experience the real Jamaica. Mm-hmm. 
and and we were outside of the resort right outside of the Mm -hmm. resort outside of the tourist attractions Mm -hmm. we were able to see jamaica we were we were in the ganja i mean it's just marijuana just everywhere (laughs) and you can literally just pinch it and just smell it like it was just that experience i mean of course you know they have machetes Uh so the whole experience oh so you got the full 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 you know we had to hike up into, mm-hmm. to get to the ganja farm so wow. that, I would say that was the most spontaneous mm-hmm. thing that I've ever done because of course that was dangerous mm-hmm. being in, in, in Jamaica and yeah not, people you tell know, you to stay away from to right. stay on the resort <laughs> <laughs> that's where so, I would be the resort but I'm for that experience that, that was very spontaneous and mm-hmm. it was an amazing experience and I'm still here that's so. awesome <laughs> that is so awesome yeah mine is nothing compared to yours <laughs> 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 I got to show you photos. Because for me, I'm not like, you know, I'm a tourist. I'm not very ah. like adventurous unless I'm with someone who makes me do adventurous things and I'll, mm-hmm. then I'll do it. But I happen to be with an adventurous person. And so we actually went zip lining across the Royal Gorge. Ooh. Yeah. No, I no, you didn't like that? No, I didn't like zip it. Line? I'm like, Lord, Heights. is this rope snap, child? <laughs> it is over. I'm just going to say my prayers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was so petrified. Um, I can't really say it was liberating because I was just scared. Um, <laughs> but that's probably the most adventurous thing that I've done. That's fun, though. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. So, but awesome. So let's get into this ad. So you guys know Kahila is here with me. She is the sponsor of our show, you guys. And look at what we're wearing. She designed this. Isn't this amazing? So... Just a little bit about the company. So Sankova Athletics Apparel is an athleisure wear and accessories company that provides thoughtfully designed, high quality pieces that are uniquely and sustainably sourced. Every piece is designed in the U.S. and it comes directly from their factory in the Middle East to ensure that each handcrafted piece is made from only the best textiles, fabric and raw materials available. And I will say like the stuff that I'm wearing, this is like some really high quality Fabric, okay? Ain't no polyester on here. Rayon, where? Okay, where? Ain't no polyester on here. So you are definitely going to get your money's worth. Um, this is definitely some high-quality pieces here. And she recently actually just came out with some other stuff. <laughs> I, I ordered this, and then I looked on the... Um, on social uh, media yeah. and i saw the new stuff and i was like i should have got that stuff what was i thinking i should have just waited um so some really really cool designs and you know as you can see it also has african print and even in the hoodie it has all these really cool designs guys i'm gonna have some pictures up later so you all can see it um but really really cool athleisure wear and the cool thing i like about this is that i can wear it and go work out you know or I can wear it out and dress it up. I can put a pair of heels on with this if I wanted to or wear it with a pair of jeans. You can literally dress this up. As you can see, Kahila, she yeah. got her fancy shoes on. <laughs> hold up a shoe for the people. Oh, can they see? The, can, for, the, for the people. For the people. For the people. Look at this, For the people. LFLS shoes. And you can pair it with that. And it looks so fashionable. Okay? So y'all better get on the Sankofa Athletics. I'm telling you. It's a socially environmentally conscious clothing brand that strives to be all inclusive for all genders. Okay. Now don't go to Sankova empty handled. Okay. Make sure that you use our promo code. So you're going to go to Sankofa. That's S A N K O F A athletics.com. And you're going to use promo code B F T V B as in boy F as in Frank TV 15. 
Okay, so SankofaAthletics.com and use promo code BFTV15, okay? Make sure y'all better get in on this. I'm telling you, this is really (laughs) nice, and it is really, it's truly worth the money. Like, this is, I just feel fancy sitting in it. Hey. I mean, I'm going to go to the gym, but I'm going to be, I'm like, I'm going to look cute in this. I'm not trying to get all sweaty in this. (laughs) But make sure you guys go check that out. Please take advantage of it. So today's topic, as I mentioned before, is standing up in the midst of adversity. And Kahela, you have such an amazing story, which is why I was so excited to have you come to the show. Honestly, I was touched by your story. Beautiful. You've overcome things that I can't even imagine having to go through. Um, and the sad thing is, is a lot of people probably go through similar mm-hmm. things. And, you know, sometimes just children, when we think of them, we see them, but we don't really understand like what is actually happening at home or what goes on. Um, so, you know, I'm just glad that you were brave enough to come out here and share your story today. Thank you so much. Um, so right now you are a successful entrepreneur and you are a creative, which I think is so amazing. And so some of us could really look at you and think that, you know, oh man, she must have it made. Like this is so easy. You know, but I know that you've had a difficult journey. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about, um, you know, your childhood. Okay. Well, first, I want to say thank you for having me. Absolutely. I appreciate it. I wouldn't that. have told you like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I got to give thanks and just for having this platform for people like myself to be on here. So mm-hmm. thank you. Absolutely. Um, so about my childhood, I say I was in Ohio. From, of course, born to the age of nine with mm-hmm. my father. Mm-hmm. And um, I, was a, I, was, I was a daddy's girl. Mm-hmm. And from what I can remember from what my family say, I was a good, I was a good kid mm-hmm. overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, very adventurous. Of course, I loved to play with, with my boy cousins. Mm-hmm. I was always with the boys mm-hmm. and wanted to be with the boys and wanted to do everything with the boys. Right. Um, Due to my father's choice of occupation, it caused for me to bounce around from family to, you know, from mm-hmm. family to, so it was no, no stability. Right. Um, and then from the, at the age of nine, I was shipped off to California mm-hmm. to be with my mother, who I didn't really know at the time. And so uh, being in California, that was tough. Um and then that's when I ended up in the system at the age of around 14, 15. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So that's different. That's something that you don't hear every day where you were pretty much, you started out majority of your time with your father. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about like, what was your dad's actual like occupation and kind of what was, what caused you to have to go stay with your mother? Well, uh, he was into selling drugs, gotcha. mm-hmm. things like that. So of course, in and out of prison, going through that. And so then me being with him, he's like, well, I have to send you to this family member or this family member. And then it kind of got like, I guess, tiring for them or something. Mm-hmm. So then I had to come out to California got and be you. with my mother. Okay. So you just needed some more stability basically. Right. Right. So now you're in California um, at the age of 14. Four, no, like 14. No, uh, around nine. Around nine, nine is when you went to your nine, mother. Yeah. From nine okay. to about 14 and a half, I was with my mm-hmm. mother. Okay, so you didn't have a lot of stability before, but to be uprooted from your yes. hometown to go all the way to California. Now, California is a whole different situation. <laughs> Let me tell you something. <laughs> Coming from Ohio, it was a whole different situation. Mm-hmm. I'm just used to, you know, 
black people, white people, certain type of, you know, right. mm-hmm. the morals and, you know, just the, just certain type of things. Then going to California was an eye opener. It was just like, I didn't know what an Armenian person was. I didn't know who a Latino person was. <laughs> I was just, it was just, it just kind of blew my mind that, right. oh, wow, there's, di- there's, there's all this diversity right. um, out here. There's more than just what I was used mm-hmm. to. Yeah. So that was an experience. Yeah, I in bet itself. that was a bit of a culture shock too for Absolutely. You. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're essentially living with a stranger. So tell me about how, you know, the time that you met your mom and, what that experience was like um, it was hard mm-hmm. it was hard we we did clash a lot mm-hmm. um hence why i ended up in the system at 14 and a half mm-hmm. um it was just it was just hard mm-hmm. it was it was very hard mm-hmm. when in particular that you feel like was was difficult about that was she just not prepared to like be an actual mother well, you know, or... you know, she had my younger brother, so you know, I have siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, and my younger brother was the one that she kept, mm-hmm. and so I don't. I'm, I'm honestly to this day, I'm not sure. I never got that closure. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, I think maybe it had to do something with my father, mm-hmm. and maybe her being upset with him mm-hmm. could be. I mean, taking it out on me because I am my father's child. Mm-hmm. You know, those those type of traumas right. that, that, you know, parents don't talk about or that they also go through because we got to understand that our parents also go through, have traumas. Yes, they do. And so mm-hmm. they can sometimes take that out on the on, on their children. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, I mean, that's what I think maybe. Yeah, was. definitely. Mm-hmm. Do you know, because I mean, a lot of mothers, they usually don't leave their children with the father. Do you know, like, maybe why? No. No? no. Oh, man. I mean, mm-hmm. I think maybe because my father wanted to keep me. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to yeah. swallow it a is. nine-year-old. It is. Um, you know, is. to just be uprooted from, you know, even though your situation was dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. But that was how you functioned, you know. So now mm-hmm. you're being uprooted to now this stranger it's not really a stranger, right. but you don't really know her right. that well. And you also don't understand why she hasn't been there the whole time. Right. Yeah. Oh man. That has and to then be why tough. I'm being treated the way that I was being treated. Cause I felt like the black sheep. Mm. So it was that not saying like she handled her business. She was a single mother. She mm-hmm. did what she had to do. She worked. She, that, that there was stability there compared to like my father. You know what I mean? There was, of course that was that stability and you know we had a roof over our head, food on our back, uh, food in our mouth, mm-hmm. you know, clothes on our back. She made sure that she took care of all the things that, as far as like, you know, necessities and things that we need. But when it came to emotional and and just being there emotionally, for mm-hmm. I would say for me, it just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a lot to to take in. So I can imagine being nine years old, like. How what are, what are the emotions that you're experiencing at this time? I just I do remember I was upset. I was mm-hmm. crying that one I was being shipped off to L.A. Mm-hmm. and then just being there just it, it was very emotional mm-hmm. and, and sad. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I can only imagine. And then to come in and then not be accepted, yes. I was like, oh my gosh, like you are killing me here. Like, can you just be nicer to me? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so now fast forward five years later and mm-hmm. we're in foster care. How did we get there? We get there because 
I ran away. I, I would run away from home. Mm. And, um, of course, she would call, you know, the police, a runaway kid. And it just got to the point where she, you know, my mother was just done with it. She was over it. Mm-hmm. And so that's when she just decided to give up her rights mm-hmm. as my as my parent. And then I ended up in juvenile hall. Then juvenile hall landed me into the uh, into uh, placement, which is a group home. Mm-hmm. And that's where um, from 14 and a half to about 20, I want to say about 24, I was in the system. Oh, wow. Wow. So... When you would run away, like, why did you run away and where would you go? I would run away to friends' houses that I met at school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would run away because I was unhappy. Mm-hmm. I was just unhappy where, mm-hmm. I, where I was at. Mm-hmm. You know, the sad thing is, is a lot of children go through that where just mm-hmm. things are not good at home. And they just, you know, they end up running away and they kind of end up in a similar situation. Um, what advice would you give them? Because I know that you work with a lot of youth and yeah. you still do, you know, to this day. Um, what um, would you share? If I could talk to my younger self at the time, which I don't regret anything, um, to actually reach out. I was a very closed off person. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I would tell them talk to someone that you are close with mm-hmm. and let them know of the situation that's going on at home and see what can be done mm-hmm. and, and reach because there's resources out there. We, of course, as children, we don't know that, mm-hmm. but there are resources out there that can help you, you know, get through whatever it is that you're going through. Even if it's just having family therapy, mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes actually that's needed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even going through something like that to where you're, you're going through family therapy to talk about these issues at home, to try to work through them. So it doesn't resort to, being sent off to foster care or, you know, just children acting out and then ending up in, you know, mm-hmm. the the hands of the police. And then now they're going through that whole mm-hmm. system. So, you know, just something like that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's good advice just because I think sometimes people think that teenagers mm-hmm. are adults, <laughs> you know, like yeah. they're just, because they're a little bit older, older. that they know how to handle certain situations. And that's, that's not, not always the case. Like their brains are still developing and, mm-hmm. you know, you're very vulnerable at that mm-hmm. age and you're very easily, you know, influenced at that mm-hmm. age as well. Um, <clears throat> and they're not adults, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we have to make sure that we keep that in mind, mm-hmm. you know, as we approach, you know, teenagers, they're very mm-hmm. impressionable. Um, so, you know, you know, I have some really young listeners here, you know, on the podcast. You know, if you're going through something similar, find someone that yeah. you trust, just like Kahila was yeah. saying. Very important because you don't have to go through this by yourselves. And sometimes, you know, we do have to extend our parents some grace because they do go through traumatic they, situations, yeah. you know, especially in our community. Absolutely. Where, you know, therapy is like for shunned. the longest it was shunned and right. now it's being more accepted now. But before that, people either one didn't have access to therapy or right. it was frowned upon. Um, so, you know, do what you need to do to get yourself some help, you know, talk to someone you trust or find somewhere you trust, whether that's at your school, your mm-hmm. church, wherever, you family, know, yeah. family. Absolutely. So one thing I do know, um, and this is pretty much everywhere, but I knew, you know, in our community here in Colorado, there's a lot of homeless youth mm-hmm. here. Um, they're just like on the streets sometimes. And so I know you mentioned to me that you were homeless a couple times. Mm-hmm. 
how did that happen? How did we become, so we're in the, the foster care system <laughs> and now we have no house. What happened? Right. So, um, of course, because I was on probation at the time. And that's from juvie, right? Right. So okay. when I turned, I was in um, group, a group home, mm-hmm. which was glass. It was gay, lesbian, adolescent, social services. And so at, at the time, when you turn 18 and you're a part of the probation system, you're emancipated immediately. They don't give you the resources that you would get with foster care. So the extended, you know, transitional living and then, you know, from 18 to, to 21 and then 20, that is So once available. you turn 18, that's you, cut They off. kick you out. Oh, my goodness. And so that was my situation. And so what was done, you know, they suggest, okay, go back to your mother. I fought hard to say, I don't think that's the best idea because mm-hmm. I know the circumstances. But they still sent me back because that's the, at the time, that was the law. That's, that's just what it was. Mm-hmm. And so I went back home and, of course, ended up homeless. Mm-hmm. And it was just an off and on thing, just trying to figure out from 18 to about... Twenty four, just trying to, just so trying to figure. Things before out. that, though, was your because um, I know you mentioned that both of your parents had passed away. Yes. Was this before that? No. So at the time, my both of my parents were still alive and okay. well. Um, this was in two thousand five. Mm-hmm. So I, um, it was just an off and on thing, just trying to figure out, you know. Mm-hmm. how to navigate being freshly 18 not really having those life skills needed to understand how to work things mm-hmm. um and then of course being kicked out and then at the time I was able to get into transitional housing mm-hmm. um and that helped me get off the streets at the time mm-hmm. um and then from there it was just an off and on thing it was just still just trying to just figure things out Again, just not having that support system and trying mm-hmm. to, you know, just being in a system is really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that was that was the situation. But the biggest part was when I became homeless when I was. Uh, how old was I? I was about 20. I want to say I was about 21 ish, mm-hmm. 20, 21, 22 around that time. I was putting myself through school. So I was um, going through community college and again, you know, I'm going to my mom's trying to see if she'll let me stay. That was a no-go. So I was literally just living out of my car. Mm-hmm. And going, you would never know because I, I get it from my dad. I'm prideful. <laughs> <laughs> so very prideful. Mm-hmm. So no, no one knew. No one, you know, I walk in like nothing. You know, of course, I'm fresh. I'm, I'm just, you know, but you would never know that I was living out of my car. But I held a full-time job. I was going to school full time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just showering at the YMCA, Mm -hmm. showering at the school when when um, the like during the semester when things were open. Of Mm -hmm. course, you know, summer, they shut it down, things like that. So you don't have access to the school. But when school, when I did have access to the school, I would shower at the school, shower at the YMCA, finding other resources like that within the community that I could utilize Mm -hmm. to get myself in a better a better situation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, Taco Bell was one place that I, you know, shower, brush my teeth, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. So, uh, no one would ever know, though. Wow. <laughs> that is a lot, girl. Um, that's, 
especially in California. It's expensive. It's so expensive. And sometimes being homeless out there, at least from what I know and what people have told me, it can be dangerous um, yeah. as well. And so, listen, y'all, there's no excuse, okay? <laughs> if she can work a full-time job and make it through homelessness and still go to school, yeah. you can do anything, okay? Especially if you're not under the same circumstances. Um, so the dynamic with your mom. Yeah. Why? Just Why? You know, I no the especially you know, after you're older, you think that you know, in time passes, that you know, you can move on, you can heal eventually, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that's what you wanted. Yeah, and you know, I I forgave my mom for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you know, when she was you know on her way to transition, I kind of got the feel that it was it was I think. I think it was just that she was just whatever happened between my father and her kind of took it out on me. That's really yeah, just so she must have been the, pretty bitter. The, that's that's what mm, that's unfortunate. So and I don't know the whole story. So Yeah, that's true. Um so why not just go home back to Ohio? Was your dad still incarcerated uh, at the time? No, at the time my father no, he was he was still alive. He was out, he was you know, he mm-hmm. was but Ohio just, you know, I've been in California for so long. Mm-hmm. So California felt more like, not, I wouldn't say home, but it just felt more comfortable. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and then of course, a lot of uh, resources, a lot of opportunities. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, I was like, you know, I'll just stay, stay, mm-hmm. stay in Cali, even though majority of my family's in Ohio, mm-hmm. but I just stayed in California. Yeah, that makes sense. <sighs> wow. That's that is a lot to take in. So before we, you know, jump forward to some of the success that you've had, um going through foster care, mm-hmm. I know can be a very tumultuous situation at times. Um I have an adopted brother who is a product of the foster care system and things like that. Um what were some of the struggles and things that you dealt with during that time? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> Please share. So one, one, so of course dealing with sexuality and accepting that. So luckily there was a, this was the only, at the time, this was the only group home that um, accepted uh, gay, lesbian, and adolescents. It literally was called Gay, Lesbian, Adolescent Social Services. Wait a minute. This, because at the time, other group homes had the right to basically discriminate against anyone who identified as LGBT. That was a thing? Yes, it was. At the time that I was in. So now they can it's tell a, chi- a child yeah, yeah, because that because you identify that as they, this they, way, they, you cannot stay right, in Right, they facility. will not accept you. They will. So what happens is they interview you. And of course, they have a series of questions. And of course, you being honest, to, you know, answering these questions, then you can disqualify yourself. Because if you decide to open up and say, hey, yeah, I identify as this... Then they they'll be like okay well wow. you know, we're we're not gonna accept you but glass was one that did because it was strictly created for people mm-hmm. who identified as LGBT mm-hmm. and so that was an experience in itself because it it allowed me to finally tap into who I am and just be more more open and just just free mm-hmm. as far as my sexuality goes mm-hmm. so that that was a a, a a very interesting experience um mm. being from 
you know, a f- coming from a family where back in Ohio, where it was very family oriented mm-hmm. and then being in a space where, you know, it's just a bunch of strangers. Mm-hmm. And of course we all identify as, a, at you know, similar, but it's just, you know, we're all kids and, you know, we're just trying to figure our own life out, figure ourselves right. out. And, you know, of course there was some things going on that shouldn't have been going on there, which is what happens in the system. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it was it, it was interesting. I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot. What were there. some of the other things that were happening? Um, of course, you have my first time ever being introduced to to drugs was in the in the group home. Wow! And these are supposed to be people who are supposed to be your guardians who watch over you. So it was it was mm-hmm. very interesting and just you know. So, how did you stay on the straight and narrow? Through all of this, because I can imagine if you're getting introduced to some of that, you know, it's... I got... I, I mean, I fell into some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it had to do with... Luckily, I did have staff who believed in me mm-hmm. and and tried their best to keep me on the right path. When they start to see me going go down a path that wasn't necessarily good mm-hmm. and so you know redirect real quick <laughs> you know mm-hmm. just like you know when when I was going this way oh no okay you need to go get a job like mm-hmm. you know so I was working you know um Kent, Candy who was the program director she you know she saw me going this way and she said okay you know what you need to go ahead and get a job so then I went into the archdiocese program and I was able to start working at the mm-hmm. age of 15 16 uh, workers permit so mm-hmm. after you know school and then of course I love basketball so she's like you need to go ahead and just join the basketball team just to keep you just to keep mm-hmm. me out of That's you know so the good. drama mm-hmm. you know because she was more like that motherly figure for you know the home so you know doing stuff like that so having people in my corner like that helped keep me mm-hmm. more you know on the right path mm-hmm. and and I have to thank you know Colleen and 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 Candy and Michelle and mm-hmm. all them who, you know, made sure that I was sticking to to the mm-hmm. right path. Yeah, that's really good. Because foster kids get exposed to so oh. many things. Absolutely. I mean, drugs, abuse, sex, like, you know, just a lot. Yes. And it's, you know, and it's so sad, you know, and people do the best they can to help. But, you know, you just can't always protect everyone. Not a, yeah. Um. So, you know, I'm just glad to hear your story that you made it through. And that you're successful, you know, you're not a product of that environment. That I is refuse. amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> um, what I'm hearing a lot of in your story is just rejection, rejection, rejection. You know, you're getting rejected from your family in Ohio. You come here to your mother, who's a stranger to you, but she's rejecting you right away, you know, for mm-hmm. whatever reason. And then you get into the foster care system and you're getting interviewed and you can't stay in certain homes because of how you identify. identify. And even as a teenager, I mean, you're still figuring things out. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about how you dealt with rejection. And when did you realize you were getting rejected so much or, or did you? Um, so I, I, w- I would say that, you know, my family in Ohio didn't really re- they didn't like reject me. Mm hmm. Um, but through life I've dealt with rejection because of whatever, you know, my mm-hmm. identity or because I'm black or mm-hmm. because many different things. And so I'm a, re- I would say 
which a lot of my friends say, you are a resilient mother. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. It's so I just it's just resilience. It's just this fire in me that regardless of what anyone says I can't do or they close the door in my face, I'm going to find another way mm-hmm. to get around it or to, to just, you know, get it done. It's mm-hmm. just and I've been like that since I was younger. Mm-hmm. And just to go back, you know, the homeless situation, I remember telling my father um, I never want to be homeless. I never want to be homeless. Like that was a fear of mine. Mm-hmm. And then to go through it, though it was a hard pill to swallow, it was also a moment for me to realize that I felt that was, you know, the universe or what people who people call God mm-hmm. was testing me mm-hmm. because it was a fear. I ne- homelessness was like. <laughs> was a fear of mine as a child mm-hmm. and so to actually go through it and get through it i was like what is there to fear what is there to <laughs> right like i got mm-hmm. through it like mm-hmm. if i could get through something that i feared so much which was being homeless mm-hmm. then now i feel like there's nothing that i can't do regardless mm-hmm. if someone says no i'm gonna mm-hmm. find uh, you can reject me all you want but you, you're gonna wish you didn't mm-hmm. that's yeah. how i feel and some people underestimate that. Like, you could easily be in that situation in a drop of a hat. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It could easily be any one of us. And I can imagine, well, no, I can't, um, you know, just worrying about, okay, am I going to be able to eat? Where am I going to stay? Is it the weather? Especially here. You know, yeah. we have a homeless community. And if it snows, the snow, yeah, that's... you can't just be out here. You know what I'm right. saying? So there's just so many different things, you know, that can make you fearful. And so mm-hmm. I really applaud you for keeping going, girl. <laughs> Thank um, you. You know, it's just, that's a lot to deal with. But you know what? I think it, this should be inspiration for everybody. It's I never too so. late to fix the situation. Never. And that's the theme of the show. Never. It's never too, never late. too late. And you know what? You can always come up from anything, um, even to your lowest of lows, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so before we get into your success a little bit more, I just kind of want to talk about how you actually identify. And I'm actually going to read this verbatim. Okay. Um, and please forgive me, you know, Everyone, I'm not as educated on, you know, LGBTQ, all that stuff um, as much as others are. So this is actually a learning experience for me. I'm actually excited because it's my first time really diving into this and understanding more about it. Um, So you identify as trans, non-binary and polyamory. Uh Um, For the audience and myself, can you educate us a little bit on what that means? Okay. well, what I'll say is what it means to me. Okay. Because everyone else has their own mm-hmm. definition. So for me, trans binary means basically I've, I'm two spirited, which is something that's ancient from the Native Americans. Mm-hmm. So basically, I identify with the masculine and feminine energy equally. Okay. Um, and as far as polyamory goes, I'm someone who's I don't practice monogamy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm open to multiple partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, at one time mm-hmm. so okay so <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that's like a fourfold yeah. situation yeah. <laughs> so you don't identify as male or female Mm-mm. and then also um, you don't really do monogamous relationships right um, that's a huge discovery how did you even come to this revelation because people you know it takes them years There's to figure out to it. 
it's levels okay, to it. Okay, sure. So <laughs> when I very when I came, my first time coming out, like, was to my mom. Of course, I came out because I was afraid because of I come from a Christian family. Mm-hmm. So I came out as bisexual just to try to like ease it, you know, mm-hmm. um, and came out as bisexual. Then, of course, when I went to the group home, I was able to really figure out more about who I was. And then I started to identify as lesbian. Mm-hmm. And then from that, I was still struggling with identity. Like, OK, I don't really identify as lesbian. Um, I don't feel like. I can choose between masculinity or femininity is it was just just dealing with that mm-hmm. and then really until 2017 was when I actually was like you know what this is me I'm trans mm-hmm. I'm a two-spirited person mm-hmm. and it's okay mm-hmm. to be that and then as far as my sexuality goes that was a journey as well you know being considered like you know bisexual then lesbian and then really trying to understand it's more of like when you're you're learning more about sexuality and the spectrum of it. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, well, I don't really fall in this category. I was just doing that because that was what I was told or what, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, that's what I was told. But no, in all reality, my sexuality, I'm pansexual. So I don't fall in between gay or straight or, or lesbian mm-hmm. and straight. That's not, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the spectrum. I'm mm-hmm. here. I'm, I'm over here right. and it's okay. And then as far as the, um, monogamy goes I was really really big on that growing mm-hmm. up I was like you know you're supposed to be one person right. and one person only and you get get married to one person and it was the Christian teaching and right. things like that mm-hmm. so as I started to just learn more about myself and just learn more about these things that it, these things exist polyamory has existed for a very long time mm-hmm. uh, polygamy all those things these have, these have been in existence it's just that we don't talk about those things it's mm-hmm. a taboo Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I started to do more research on it and realized this is how I feel, mm-hmm. like this is, this aligns more with my spirit than mm-hmm. being monogamous mm-hmm. or, you know, identifying as pansexual is more with my spirit than identifying as either lesbian or bisexual mm-hmm. or whatever, or, you know, just all of that. So it was a journey. Mm-hmm. It was just in it and just learning more about it and then meeting other people who actually practice it and, mm-hmm. and learning from them and their experiences and then having my own experiences, it just, you know, what, what I, I do, what feels right with my spirit. Mm-hmm. And that's just what, that's mm-hmm. just who I am. Yeah. And I, I go against all norms. <laughs> who I am, the essence of me and mm-hmm. my spirit goes against all norms Yeah, that, you know. Mm-hmm. So I want to dig a little deeper into this just a little bit. Um, just pick your brain. Um, So, you know, most of my audience that knows me hosting the show, like, I'm definitely Christian. Like, that's how Mm -hmm. I grew up, you know, and that's how, you know. However, you know, my name is Takara. Mm -hmm. My name is not God. Mm -hmm. I have no heaven or hell to put anybody. And God gives people free will (laughs) to do whatever they want to do. And that's, you know, where I stand on everything. Um, And so, you know, I just know that if I had a family member you know, or one of my siblings, I, I want them or whoever to be treated with love and respect, respect and kindness, regardless of how they identify or how they feel. Um, just with you, you know, growing up Christian, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned and you, you went through a lot of different Christian teachings, things mm-hmm. like that. How did this, I'm sure this must have been a conflict for you. Yes, absolutely. How did you, what, tell me about that and how you felt. 
it was a conflict for me for me for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, just to go back, I knew that I was different at the age of five. Mm-hmm. I knew that I was wow. gay or whatever. And you I've heard call that it. before that people be knowing like from a very a young very young age that they don't feel like as how society else. society mm-hmm. identifies them. Right. Yeah. Okay. So at that age, I knew, and then. The conflict was, of course, being five and then growing up in a Christian family. And the teachings that I'm receiving from you mm-hmm. know, the Christian religion went against m- the essence of me. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, well, I'm considered to be, or what they would say, oh, it's blasphemous or like mm-hmm. abomination. I've been told that from family. Mm-hmm. And my lifestyle is an abomination. Mm-hmm. And just the conflict of all of that. And then even growing up and becoming an adult, it was still a conflict. It's still working on accepting who I am. But how can I accept who I am practicing this religion that tells me that I'm wrong or that I'm sinning or that, you know, just the essence of me and my being is just wrong. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until I, I would say, became conscious mm-hmm. and... I prayed about it. Mm-hmm. I prayed about it, and an awakening happened. Mm-hmm. And then I started to move towards exploring other religious teachings, which still I didn't really agree with. Didn't fit with my spirit. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until I was introduced to African spirituality is when that shift happened, and the teachings that I get from that, and that's when I was like, okay, this aligns more with what it is that. Mm-hmm. I spiritually can connect with and I'm not being told that who I am mm-hmm. or the essence of who I am is, is negative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, one thing I find interesting is for whatever reason, like this is taboo and it's like the one thing that Christians like tack onto for whatever reason, but they forget the other sins. <laughs> like <laughs> they they identify as oh, this, yeah. but you know, I was lying and adulterating the other day, Girl. you know, but that ain't nothing compared Girl. to this. And it's just like, you could still be judged for all of these things. It's like, y'all need to mind your business and drink water. Okay. Mind the business that pays you. Yeah. Um, but really I want Christians to know, like, Listen, the Bible says with love and kindness have I drawn thee. You can't really call yourself a Christian, you know, and loving Christ and all these things. And you treat people, you know, like they don't belong. Like that's not what he would want. I truly believe that in my heart. You You know, I'm never going to treat anybody different because of the way they look or how they identify. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we need to understand. But I'm pretty sure that there's so many other people that have a similar story and they, Mm -hmm. you know, struggle with, you know, their religion and things like Mm -hmm. that. What would you, what advice would you give them? Again, I always go with what, what aligns with spirit. So Mm -hmm. if Christianity aligns with your spirit, then, you know, it aligns. If not, you can venture off and do more research on other religious practices that may align with you more. That would be the advice that I would give. Mm -hmm. Do what aligns with your spirit because what fits for your spirit is for you and what fits for me is for me. And I think that's the beauty of all things. And for us to be able to sit down here and have a conversation and talk Mm -hmm. about our different experiences Mm -hmm. is a beautiful thing. Yes. So I feel that people, you know, we all have our own reason for being here Mm -hmm. Um, and it's okay to explore it. And I think that people get too caught up with, well, putting 
themselves in a box. Therefore, they try to put other people in that same box. And if you don't fit in that box, Mm -hmm. then they want to judge you or they want to, you know, make it seem like you're living a, a life that's not or that's sinful. But I don't think that's how it should be. So mm-hmm. I would just tell people, just do what aligns with your spirit. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, you have to do what makes you happy. Right. Absolutely. I agree. You got to do what makes you happy. You know, um, thank you for sharing. I know that was probably a lot to share. No, it's okay. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's a good so, conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So. You come from being uprooted from a dysfunctional situation into a new dysfunctional situation. (laughs) We go from that to to foster care. We go from foster care to homelessness and just a plethora of things in between. And now we finally get to the day that you walk across that stage and you accept your diploma. Yeah. Um. You know, and that just kind of touched my heart because it's like you've been through so much and there's so many people who quit, who give up and they just accept life for whatever it is. You know, they never go after their dreams truly. You know, if they're homeless, they choose to stay that way sometimes because that's what's easier to do is just give up. Um, What was that like for you, especially being the first person in your family to graduate from college? Um. It was a mix of emotions because when I walked across the stage, I would have cried across that stage. I was, I was crying. Mm. I was crying of tears of joy Mm -hmm. and then sadness because again, you know, at the time when I did walk and got my uh, bachelor's degree, both my parents had already transitioned. Mm -hmm. So they weren't able to uh, be there and physically to celebrate. Um, So it was just a joyous, it was a joyous moment at the same time. It, it was sad, but bittersweet. Yeah. But it was something that I felt very proud of because mm-hmm. I put in a lot of work to just to get that done. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, just and you, you put know. yourself through school. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was working, you know, still working. Um, I was working a full time job when I was going to CSUN. I was working a full time job on top of a part time job on top of going to school full time on top of doing my internships. I had no. There was no time in the day. It mm-hmm. got to the point where my former partner, Bree, was like, look, <laughs> you're going to kill yourself trying right. to... She, she was like, you need to let go one of these jobs. Mm-hmm. You got to let go of one of them. Right. So I let go of the part-time job mm-hmm. and kept the full-time job and, and then, you know, was able to get through. And it got to a point where I eventually had to let go of the full-time. I just couldn't do it because the internships required a lot of your time. Mm-hmm. And so... I I just let I let it go. And luckily at the time my partner was able to take on everything else financially while I was able to finish school, which was like the last like last two semesters of school. Mm-hmm. And I was able to get through it and, and walk through and then went into the field that I went to school for, working with youth, which mm-hmm. I enjoy and love doing. Um and yeah, it was it was a good experience. Good. I'm I'm very proud. Good. And entrepreneurship, let me tell you, was not on my list. Yeah, so I was wondering that. So, (laughs) because, okay, so, you you know, in your bio, I mentioned that you went into behavioral health and you were Mm -hmm. working with children. And so you own Sankofa Athletics. Yes. Which is a fashion company. Yes. That is a completely, that's on the opposite side. (laughs) That's way over there. Wait, that's over there, over yonder. So, yeah, I wanted to ask you, tell me how did we get from there to there? 
from behavioral specialists to our social social welfare to that. <laughs> it was one of those. It was a awake. It was one of those like awakenings. Mm-hmm. It was just like I was even after graduating from school. And getting into the field and working, doing everything that I, you know, set out to do and what I'm passionate mm-hmm. about because I love working with the youth. Mm-hmm. Um, I still did not feel fulfilled. Wow. I was not fully fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And so I sat on it and I said, what is, what is this void? Like, what is going on? Like, why do I feel this way after I've done all this and I'm doing exactly what it is that I wanted to do? Um, and that's when it was... That's when I realized, okay, I need to be my own boss. Mm -hmm. I need to take all of that I'm passionate about and put it into something. So how did you know that you were passionate about creating things? I felt like I didn't have a creative bone in my body. (laughs) (laughs) That's how people tell me. Like, like, I, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm a creative. Like I have mm -hmm. ideas, but I'm not like a creative, you know what I'm saying? Um, I don't feel like I'm creative I, at all, but at the time I didn't feel I was like, mm-hmm. I, and fashion was not at the top right, of the list. It right. was I was, <laughs> it was not it. I was just like, <laughs> what is going on? Uh-huh. It was just it was again. That's why my motto, you know, is mm-hmm. it's purpose mixed with vision, passion, and or mixed with the uh, vision and purpose equals the mission mm-hmm. because. I had to pray on it. I had to sit on it like, what is this void? What's going on? And that was it. And so at my former partner, Bree, I was like, hey, let's start businesses. This was uh, New Year's New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. uh, 2018, going into 2019. Mm-hmm. I said, let's start businesses. Let's start our own businesses. Mm-hmm. I was like, that, that was the, you know, I was like, mm-hmm. That's, that must be the, the what's the void? Like, right. let's, start, let's start our own businesses. And she looked at me and she, she was like, for real? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, let's mm-hmm. do it. At that moment, it was just research, 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 how to do it. You know, this mm-hmm. just a lot of reading, a lot of workshops that I was right. going to, a lot of just that that footwork. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, you know what? I love working out. I love sports. At the time, I was upset with what Gucci and Prada did with their uh, racist images yeah. within their clothing. Mm-hmm. And then being at the gym, I was like, man. All I see is Nike, Adidas. You know, I'm like, why can't I just, cre- why can't I create something wow. that represents us? Because mm-hmm. I was still, in the back of my mind, Gucci and Prada got me messed up. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going like, to fix them right on up today. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Yeah, and then H and M too. They, you know. Oh yeah, that's yeah, right. That monkey situation. I show sure stop shopping there. You know, I'm like, <laughs> so, dang it, why y'all do that right. to me? I like shopping. I like H&M. shopping there too. I was like, yeah, <laughs> man. Uh, but that 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 right there, and then the visions just started to come. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm a spiritual person, and I believe in the you know mm-hmm. a higher power, God, whatever you. Mm-hmm. And that's when more and more like the vision started to come. And so what I do is I follow through it. When, when God says, or when my intuition Mm -hmm. says, do this, I do it. Mm -hmm. I don't No questions. I know that it's coming from the higher source. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's where a lot of these things come from. 
And, and that's and why. I love it. Because, <laughs> but literally, though, like in comparison to all the other brands that are out there, nobody is doing anything like this. Like this is just beautiful. I mean, it, I was on my way here mm-hmm. getting compliments. I love it. About I love like, it. oh, my God, I love that. Like, <laughs> people just looking at me like, you know, what I'm saying like, like it's foreign. Like, yeah. where do you get that from? <laughs> I mean, it's really like I feel confident. in it. I feel good in it. I feel mm-hmm. pretty in it. Yeah. I feel pride in it because there's African prints, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, that is such a beautiful story. Thank you. Y'all go after your dreams. Don't let nothing <laughs> Pretty, stop you. Nothing. Because then, you know, you'll be missing out on your blessings and then something amazing can come out of this. And make sure know? it's your dream. Absolutely. That's one thing that I've learned is that everything that I do is unique. Mm-hmm. It comes, it's unique to me. Right. So I don't, I've, I, just advice for anyone going into whatever industry, just make sure it's you your unique passion you can't mm-hmm. you know to, to just do something because you see someone else doing it but you're really not passionate about it mm-hmm. it's gonna show in right. the work mm-hmm. so it's just best to just do what it is that you were put here to do Absolutely. this is what i was put here to do this mm-hmm. is this is my lane you know? And I love that your line is inclusive of everybody. Yes. So men and women, but not just, just black men. people. Right. There's white people. Yes. There's different Asian. Of all, Asian. And then I also, one thing that touched my heart and I messaged you about it when I saw it on Facebook or not Facebook, Instagram. Um, the guy with the physical disability. Sean, shout out to Sean. And he and walked mom. down that runway. Yes, I'm telling y'all, yes. go to Sankofa <laughs> Athletics on Instagram. And she has a picture of Sean and he was really working that and runway. He, like, he? I was like, Confident oh my God. He felt like one of the guys. <laughs> I was just that like, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like I've never seen anybody pull someone like that on the runway. Had to. And I think that is so special, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to open up and look beyond just what is important to you. It's everybody is yes. inclusive. And I really love that, which is why I was even just excited to have you as a sponsor of the show. Like, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I want to be inclusive of everybody, which yes. is why you're here. Like, <laughs> you know, um, this is not just for black people. It's right, for everybody. It's for you know, God wants us all to be happy, you know, so. Thank you for sharing your story. I know this is a lot and we're probably well past the time, girl. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it is all good. But this was such a beautiful story to just be able to overcome all those things. And I really applaud you for sharing your story because it's not easy to come out and share something that's controversial or that goes against what the majority out mm-hmm. here has to say and so i applaud your bravery i thank you for having me oh, of course yeah, this is my first you come back anytime look, look. look we friends we are <laughs> okay, friends there all we right go. <laughs> <laughs> um so kahila where can people follow you on social um, media on all social media platforms facebook instagram twitter youtube everything mm-hmm. uh at sankofa s-a-n-k-o-f-a athletics Simple. Yes. Sankofa it, Athletics. It's, it's Sankofa underscore athletics, athletics on, on IG. Instagram. Yeah. Everything else is Sankofa Athletics. You can find me. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure you guys go SankofaAthletics.com. Shop the products. Yes. They are amazing, y'all. Yes. It's worth the money and it's black owned. Like, get, get it together. Okay. Not just Support. black owned. It's also trans owned. It's trans owned. It's, it's all that good stuff. All that. 
Go and support it. Um, but honestly, like the clothes are dope. Like if nothing else, just go buy the clothes. And they're cool. And can I add something else mm-hmm. to it? Because I, I don't want to uh, forget about, you know, what we do with the community. So through yes, the brand, sure. through the brand, uh, which is another passion of mine, is figuring out a way to give back. Mm-hmm. And so when you purchase something from the brand, for example, the hat collection, mm-hmm. I donate a portion of the profit to the Maasai Water Project. And what they do is they assist men, women, and children in Tanzania uh, with providing clean water, food, school supplies, sanitary napkins for the women, Mm -hmm. um, and and even, you know, buying goats. That's something that they need. Mm -hmm. And so through that... I, I donate. So whenever you buy a hat from Sankofa, you're not just buying, you know, just a hat that represents you, but you're also buying a hat that is giving back to the community. Wow. And it's, of course, it's internationally, mm-hmm. but then also within Atlanta, Georgia, we are partnered with um, the Lost and Found Youth. And so through the BU collection, which is my LGBT collection, we donate a portion of the profit to the Lost and Found Youth who... What they do is they assist homeless LGBT youth. Mm-hmm. And so when you buy a shirt or um, a, um, a cologne or anything through the Nick Ricardo collection, who mm-hmm. I'm partnered with, um, we donate a portion of the profit to that organization um, to help with whatever they need help with as far as getting you know resources for homeless LGBT youth. Wow. So the brand is, it's... It's a passion of mine. Mm-hmm. And so I'm so you're not to, doing this just to make money. Like this is truly no, to help other no. people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, you know, I create collections that is geared towards certain, mm-hmm. you know, um, nonprofits that are doing the work in the community, whether mm-hmm. it's domestically or internationally. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. So listen, you're not even finna go out here just in style, <laughs> but then you can give back at the same time. Yeah. Why not support this brand? Y'all better get on it. so make sure you guys go and follow sankofa athletics on social media on all social media platforms facebook instagram twitter and on instagram again it's sankofa underscore athletics okay um so make sure you guys follow that so you can keep up um i actually recently just watched parts of the fashion show that kahila just recently launched and you guys it is so dope (laughs) listen if you have a you need the model just call me (laughs) i got you Um, But it is like the coolest thing to watch um, and just, you know, to watch someone I know personally doing something this massive is just it's just amazing. So make sure you guys get on there and follow Um, again. We're closing. I'm coming to an end here. Shout out to Level 4 Studio for producing this show for me. Um, And one thing I like about Level 4 is that they don't just leave me in the studio. I'm alone today, but because Kevin is whatever. But anyway, (laughs) for the most part, they are always here. I don't have to worry about trying to fix equipment and trying to see what works. I am not technology oriented and I'm not very smart in that field. They just taught me how to turn the volume on my computer off recently. Which already lets you know, I'm not trying to figure none of that out. They do all that for you. So make sure you guys, if you need anything um, that has to do with creative content, make sure you reach out to Level 4 Studio. You don't even have to be in the same state to work with them. So make sure you guys do that. Again, make sure you're following the show, okay, on all social media platforms, um, especially for those of you that just listen. 
um, through the, the uh, streaming platforms. Like, make sure you follow on social media so you understand and know what's coming up and what's going on with the show. Um, we're just getting back in the studio today. So there is going to be some new content that are going to be dropping soon and some cool things coming. So make sure you guys stay tuned. As always, I like to close with a quote. <clears throat> and actually, I have a poem here that I thought would be um, very befitting of today's uh, conversation. And it says, rising from ashes, surviving from crashes, trying to dwell myself after being knocked in trashes. Chances of falling again is exponentially high, but it is always worth to give another try. I might not be the smartest and I might not be the fastest, but when I'll breath my la- breathe my last, Lord, <laughs> I will be the happiest because I am fighting for better. I am failing for better. I am facing the storm and not in run for shelter. And that's by Kashav Jetha. I kind of wanted to do like, like you know, yeah. Yeah, like my, yeah. 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 I think this was like a flow tree. I should have did it like that. Like, <laughs> man. But um, I thought that would be befitting for today's show. So thank you all for tuning in. Make sure you guys sign up for Patreon. Until I see you next week. Remember, it's never too late. And you guys have a blessed one. Bye.